0: This is Fantastic Books and How to Read Them,
1: the fantasy book review podcast for fantasy fanatics, book nerds, and lovers of
0: lore and stories, covering some of the most beloved fantasy series, as well as brand new novels,
1: with your hosts, Sam and Anna Furman.
0: Let's see what we're reading this week. Welcome back, fantastic listeners, and an especially warm welcome back to the Kingkiller Chronicles fandom.
1: Yeah, it's been a little bit of a break. Yes,
0: yeah, a little bit of a hiatus. Things got a little crazy over the holidays, and we did get a little wrapped up into our mini-series Winter Set Hollow.
1: You know what though? I think it's really refreshed and energized me for reading King Killer. Not that I don't love this book, but you and I have spent the past two years like nitpicking apart the series. Mm. And sometimes I think it's good to come at it with a little bit of a fresh perspective. And in the interim, we got the prologue from Patrick Rothfuss, which got us really excited for Doors of Stone in February. So about a month from now, he should be releasing a full chapter of Doors of Stone read by professional voice actors. And he's been doing more and more with like fundraising goals on his channel as ways to, I guess, motivate him to write. Yeah. Whatever it takes at this point, I'm glad the money's not going into his pockets. It's going to a really good cause. Yes, for sure. If you haven't been keeping up with that, you can check Patrick Rothfuss out on all his own social media channels, but he's been releasing some stuff for Doors of Stone, uh, and Sam and I watched a really good video from the YouTube channel, Captured in Words, that did a full breakdown of the prologue, analyzed what may or may not be referred to in the prologue, and I think my favorite theory that came out of that video was that Kvothe has crafted the Waystone Inn as trap for the Shandrian, and there also might be elements built into the Waystone Inn, like copper in its walls, that help prevent or capture Namers.
0: So Yeah, no, it definitely is super exciting. Go check out his channel on YouTube, Captured in Words. I think with all this positive content coming out, it really has invigorated us. I'm so excited to be diving back into this material. Me too. Um, I feel like it was nice to get a palate cleanse from our time off. But I am truly thrilled that book three is making some headway.
1: Me too. Just Um, to know that there's at least one page written. Yes, (laughs) for sure. Book
0: three. Without getting too distracted, I will say, though, that theory that the Waystone Inn has been built similarly to the Ruckery or, quote unquote, the insane asylum for the um, university Mm -hmm. as a means to either trap Kavolt's power or subdue a Chandrian...
1: Or potentially EX
0: yes I love I love the different fan theories coming out with that and Yeah, definitely
1: go check out the video because I can't do it justice no All the different fan theories he pulls out um, that have weight lunch to them in the prologue are really exciting
0: yeah and he's a cool dude he comes out with really interesting thorough fan theory episodes and he does his research within the material so definitely go check out his channel
1: Yes. Um, so without
0: a further ado, we're going to be jumping into chapters 93 through... 98. And, we're and we to... left
1: off on such an exciting part. I can't believe we put the book down for so long because Kvothe just called lightning.
0: Yes, he did. And the bandits have been decimated.
1: Yes. So that's where we pick up chapter 93, Mercenaries All. As we know, Kavoth called down lightning and that just blacked him out for, I think it says 14 hours of sleep. Uh, And he comes to and it kind of surprises the other mercenaries he's with like he was cold and clammy out cold for 14 hours and then he just wakes up feeling fine. Yeah,
0: that was nuts. And it was a really interesting moment here because while we were reading the chapters, this Mm -hmm. all happened so fast that we kind of get a little snippet, but we don't really understand the full devastation that takes place when Kavoth does this like, you know, as a mini recap. Yeah, well, he, he also gets
1: the explanation of what all the other mercenaries, like his group, saw and experienced while he called lightning down.
0: Right, like this from a, just Martin and um, Tempe's partial experience. You know, Kavoth is like performing terrifying blood magic and is like becoming manic and like psychotic and is like laughing Mm -hmm. and he's like spouting nonsense saying as above so below and next thing you know lightning comes down crashing through the center tree and kind of like arcs out in all directions and my question for you is, because I always kind of imagine it, like, they all got caught in, like, a web of, like, lightning, essentially, and got fried.
1: The people... The mercenaries, the bandits, yes. Or the mercenaries?
0: Oh, uh, the bandits, sorry.
1: Um. Well, so actually, Daydon says it is like a pillar of white fire that shakes the ground hard enough to knock him off his feet, and it's multiple bolts of lightning in quick succession. Mm. So it's not, like, one huge bolt, but, like, several rapid fire. So I think it's, like, an earthquake, almost. Like, you know when... Uh, thunder is so loud it like shakes yeah i've never been obviously close to where lightning strikes but that's got to be such an immense like blast of energy right so we know that obviously like the lightning comes down there's got to be like a radius of like a blast radius right i'm assuming because Kavoth talks about how there's like charred marks on the ground i'm assuming the heat went down through the tree and then also out along the roots underneath them so i'm assuming that there was some fires that happened but he like wrecked the place like almost nothing's left standing most of the trees and shrubs and the the tree he hit is like a, a stump.
0: Yeah, it was a massive tree. But when they do their kind of roll call, as far as um who's been killed. Oh yeah. There was um, one sentry killed by da- killed by Daydon. Two that had been surprised by Tempe in the forest. Those were way back, right? Right. This is like of all the bandits. Okay. Three who had survived the lightning and tried to escape. Martin had brought down one of them, and Tempe had claimed the other two. Hmm. So
1: that's what twenty three. And then oh well cuz there's 17 more sorry. Right. 17
0: <laughs> burned, broken or otherwise ravaged by lightning. <sighs> Wild. Like
1: It says that you know those big pieces of wood that they had put up to protect themselves. Yeah, the walls. Kavos says when they go down into their camp, none of the pieces of those wood are bigger than like your fingertip. I would think it's like an explosion.
0: Because like the tree obliterates, obviously there's like wood shrapnel and, you know, hot energy. And I'm sure some lightning does disperse into the ground and kind of like electrocute people.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure there's, like, a a blast radius, essentially. Yeah. You know when you see videos of atomic bombs and, like, that heat blast comes first? The, yeah. Like, I don't know if it's an atomic wave. I don't know what it's technically called, but that, like, sonic boom wave comes out first? Yeah. I kind of imagine the lightning striking down and then ever getting hit with, like, a shock and heat wave that just, like, bowls them all over. Mm. And then followed by, like, the tree then exploding and shrapnel, like, flying everywhere. Gotcha. That's what I thought, at least. No,
0: that's really cool, because I always imagine it, like, the lightning comes down, hits the tree, kind of, like, splinters out in the ground, almost like a spider web, like, shocking a bunch of people. And then, like, the tree explodes with, like, this big blast wave. Interesting. So, I don't know, like, obviously there's contextual clues when it's written, but I just always was curious how you imagined it as you read it.
1: Yeah, I think I pictured, like, the lightning striking, kind of blinding everyone, followed by an immediate shock blast, and then, like, a heat blast, and then an explosion, in like, one, two, three, rapid succession. Gotcha. But-
0: Yeah, otherwise, just super epic. Everyone's kind of in awe of Kavoth because one, he was able to do this great feat of magic out of storybook legend, and then, like, after- A mega nap just awakes, like, fresh as a daisy.
1: Totally fine. He's awaking from binder's chills, though, right? Like, he's not actually hurt.
0: Yeah. And so that's... No no
1: physical wounds, like...
0: I mean, I think there's cuts and scrapes, but, yeah, no, no fatal wounds, nothing that's, like, super intense for him. And I think that's the crazy part for them, because... He was, like, wicked cold to the touch, and then he was, like, out cold. They
1: probably thought he was...
0: Unconscious. ...about
1: to die. Yeah,
0: and then, you know, back, back <laughs> like Kvothe, and ready for action. Though, a
1: little mystery wouldn't hurt my reputation. Yeah,
0: classic Kavoth.
1: Classic. Um, I mean, Martin's definitely nervous about him, and Tempe's, like, kind of impassive towards Kavoth, but he's passed the line now by yeah. doing what he did.
0: Oh, Martin definitely is a little like weird around him now. And I can't blame him. That's a lot to witness.
1: That's a lot. Even Kvoth realizes what he did because he was so deep in the heart of stone. He was so emotionally detached to what he was doing in the moment. But as they go down into the bandits camp and Kvoth is awake, now finally they decide they're going to burn all of the bandits. Like they can't dig a grave no, big enough for just... them all. So they have a big funeral pyre. And then Kavoth goes away and looks for the body that he did malfeasance with. And he like finds a Quiet place to put him, and then just says he crept away and was violently sick.
0: Yeah, because he...
1: It's disturbing to him what he did.
0: Yeah, he opened that guy up. It was not pretty. Which, like,
1: good, Kavoth. you need to realize what you've done.
0: Oh, yeah. I think as a reader, too, it would you would really question his morality and, like, ethics at that point, where if he... Obviously, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, and then afterwards was like fine. Then big dude. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I don't know about
0: (laughs) you. Yeah.
1: I mean, even by the end of this book, I don't know about Kabul.
0: Yeah, I know this is like the beginning of his. He becomes a bit of a loose cannon. Is a great way to describe it, where it's all for his perspective of the greater good. And like, that's how you see so many heroes fall to villainy. Like, yeah. One pers- thing
1: that's interesting, like you said, this is the beginning of that. In the next couple chapters, when he visits Florian, he says no men ever leave Florian with their minds. Ooh. And like, is Kavoth going insane? Well, or like losing touch with some kind of his mental faculties? Oh, I think
0: for sure. As we have explored his life, like if we're talking from almost the black and white perspective of childhood, like what's right, what's wrong, what, you know, family figures or authoritative figures say what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. You get his time in Tarbian, where he's had to do things to survive, and he's done a ton of things he's not proud of.
1: Right. Thieving,
0: killing, hurting. mm mm-hmm. Then we get his time at university, and, you know, what they say is people who study these subjects, especially things like naming and sympathy... It kind of cracks at your mind a little bit. Yeah. So we have this like chipping away at his like mental structure, maybe his morality. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he's getting thrown into the real world and having to do these things. So I think over time, not that he's like fully going insane, but his mind is definitely getting chipped away at.
1: Okay. I just didn't know how we felt about the fact that like, obviously, Kavoth is the narrator. And from his perspective, obviously, he's not going to judge his own actions in certain ways oh for sure and if he's slowly losing his mind and not realizing it
0: but that's i think the i think
1: that's kind of the whole thing though yeah oh for sure like he's slowly losing himself
0: yeah oh he's definitely losing himself and it's how part of the lack
1: of adult supervision of his whole life Mm. and like what he had to go through but also like he had to grow up at such a young age and no one's told him right or wrong since he was what 10 he's had to just live and survive on his own
0: right and he does you know do kind acts and takes care of people you know he helps those girls out but in a way he goes overboard by like murdering all of like the false edema right
1: it's almost like you know when we watch peaky blinders and like if you're in the gang or the gang supports you like they'll do anything for you and then if you're an enemy of them like they will destroy you yeah that's very much yeah like watching out for his own interests and those in his group
0: yeah, for sure. No, that's a good way to put it.
1: Yeah. Speaking of the group, Kvoth and the mercenaries stay at the bandits' camp for three days. They end up cleaning up a little bit. Like I said, they got rid of the bodies of the bandits. One thing they noticed is that the leader's body is not there.
0: Yes, which is very concerning, considering he took an arrow to the knee, very Skyrim, um, and pulled it out, no problem.
1: No problem. And Kvothe has been
0: intrigued by him
1: since he first saw him he kept saying like oh something's familiar something's familiar so he was really expecting to see the body and get confirmation about what was familiar he wasn't among the people so then when they end up moving the tree off of his tent they're expecting to find him in there and he's not in there either
0: and martin's immediately like skeeved out and even tempe is a little wary too
1: yeah, because they couldn't find any tracks leading away. They explain it a way of like, oh, maybe he walked using the stream to hide his tracks, but nobody's really convinced by this. So they just kind of ignore how weird it is. Yeah, they're <laughs> it's just like,
0: well, there's nothing we can do about it. The rest of these guys are dead, so... So they end up
1: going through his tent, and they find a box with the mayor's crest on it. Obviously, the money box that the bandits have been stealing...
0: Woohoo! <laughs> putting all the taxes into. I'm sorry, literally perfect end to any dungeon crawl or side quest mission in any video game. You it's beat a the boss. Chest. It's a treasure chest. It's yes, perfect. Yes, they
1: get a treasure chest. Uh, it's locked up. Hespi and Martin tried to lockpick it and don't get it. And Kavoth is like, oh, I may as well try. He doesn't really want to advertise he's good at picking locks, because that's not part of the reputation he wants.
0: No, and I do love that Hesp is like, all right, Tarbalin, why don't you give it a shot?
1: Oh, and of course, like, the perfect Kavoth thing happens. Like, he quotes Tarbalin from the story, says, Edro, and hits the chest, and it pops open. Yeah,
0: (laughs) and, and like, even he's kind of taken aback, but he's like, play cool, play cool, like...
1: Yeah, everyone's a little more, like, mmm... I got some questions for Quoth. Yeah, like,
0: <laughs> boy, are you magic? <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's magic. Oh, yeah. So he's, he just doesn't say anything. Classic Kvothe, like we always say, he just wants it to be part of his reputation. But they open the box and inside is, in addition to, a bunch of money that Kvothe estimates is about 500 silver talents worth, which he says is enough money to buy a good road-sized inn or an entire farm with all of the animals. So a talent is more than I realized.
0: Yeah, quite expensive.
1: Right. Um they also find a map of the area with an X marked on it. And the X they're assuming is the camp. Thankfully they actually using this hand drawn map mark how they can just make a straight line to Crescent and cut off like 24 miles. Wow. So they're way closer to Crescent than they thought, which is actually really great um considering Hesby's been shot in the leg and she's not doing her best. She's for a walking. little tender. So with the money Daydon is like, Oh, do you think we could have any? Not really expecting to vote Kavoth to give in. And Kavoth is like, Yeah, I think a full royal seems fair to everyone.
0: Yeah, because quote
1: Yeah, like duty beyond what they were called to do. Yeah. Cause Kavoth says, I was called to hunt some bandits, not take out a military encampment. Yeah. So he thinks they're owed more than that. So he gives them each a gold coin. He says it also basically buys their loyalty because he realizes it would be a lot easier to just take that gold chest and dip out of there right. without ever returning to the mayor. So he keeps it under his watch and gives everyone a coin so that they're like in his pocket a little bit.
0: And then classic Kavoth, thieves guild skills, pockets <laughs> three of the royals while handing out...
1: One to each. Yeah, yes. so he gets four, which is enough to cover a full term's tuition at the university. Very sneaky,
0: mm-hmm. Kavoth. And I do like the little aside that it mentions how, one, yes, he effectively buys their loyalty, Mm -hmm. but two, it kind of makes them all feel a little bit more honest about everything they've done. They kind of, like, earned something for all the hard work, blood, sweat, tears, and time they put in in the forest.
1: Right, and, like in comparison to just taking the money and leaving this is a lot more honest a way to say like well we're kind of owed this we're still going to give him back his money he's not going to miss four talents five talents may as well just put it in your pocket and say nothing yep so everyone feels a little bit better about it as they come to the end of their time in the bandits camp they all decide to go through the supplies and take what's useful to them most of the big stuff they leave behind because it's either broken or too heavy to carry so they don't Bring anything like tents, but they do end up bringing things like Kavoth picks a sword, and Tempe has some things to say about that.
0: Yes, he helps him pick one out, and Tempe's kind of like, "Why though? You don't know how to use one." Mm-hmm. So Kavoth boldly asks, "Well, will you show it me?"
1: And Tempe pauses for uh, like ten minutes. Yeah. He's really thinking. Kavoth is trying to be respectful and let Tempe think. But yeah, Tempe is very hesitant about this. And Kvothe, of course, thinking he's clever and smart by asking this, but he says if he'd truly known anything about the adem, he would have never, ever asked Tempe
0: a question like this. Yeah, no, this is their everything. So
1: Kvothe paints himself as kind of worldly and wise, but he stumbles into a lot of blunders pretty regularly, actually. I mean, arrogance. And young.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Eventually, Tempe agrees to teach Kavoth how to use the sword in exchange for Kavoth to teach him how to play the lute. And his response took so long. Kavoth was like, "Maybe he
0: was." He thought it was polite refusal. At yeah, first. like
1: like you would never teach anyone to play a lute, so like why would I teach anyone to play a sword? Kind of thing. But Kavoth just says, "Yes, great plan," and they have this arrangement now. Everyone else gets a few things, like Daedon gets some boots and armor, Hespi gets a bunch of knives, she also gets some shepherd's pipes, and Martin gets some longbows, Kvothe takes a knife to replace the one he broke in during Mm. malfeasance, and a shaving razor, and then he just puts a few knives in his travel sack, which is very, very heavy, but that's pretty much all they end up taking there's not a lot there of value and with the leader gone there's not a lot of information left that was helpful to them in leader's tent there was a bunch of papers that got ruined by the rain which sucks cuz i bet they would have been really helpful if those were cinders papers obviously but they're ruined so they just get some basic supplies and that's the end of the the bandit adventure
0: yeah Quest complete, loot collected, and away <laughs> they go.
1: Yeah, so they do have to still return the money to the mayor, but it's uh, they have to make their way to Crescent first.
0: Now begins the long hike back.
1: Chapter 94 over Rock and Root. And this is the long hike back. Yeah. <laughs> so they follow the map that they found, assuming it's gonna cut off about like he says a couple dozen miles. But the going is slow, Hespi's leg still hurts, everyone's backpacks are full, Martin's still recovering from his cough. Um, so on the way, like, they're taking a bunch of breaks. kavo starts to teach Tempi the loot, Tempi starts to ke- teach Kvothe the ketan. Um Like, actually teaching him. <laughs> I love, yeah, he's like, I didn't realize that I hadn't been learning it up to this point.
0: Right, like, he was just making corrections that were deemed annoying, and now that he's actually teaching him, it's like, dude... You weren't even close to doing it well.
1: Yeah, so Kavot says there's over 100 movements in the Keitan, and he made 18 mistakes in the first motion alone. So this is going to take him a long time to learn, which Kavot is such a fast learner, but he also tries to cut every corner possible. And this isn't something you can cheat your way through. I think it's good for him.
0: Yes, (laughs) it's humbling, and it kind of takes him down a peg because, you know, he's always such a... What's next? What's
1: next? What's uh, prodigy next? Prodigy yeah. and
0: such a fast learner exactly that it's nice that he gets something that isn't just immediately accessible.
1: And it's good to have a challenge.
0: Yeah. It's good for you. You gotta work towards something. Builds character.
1: <laughs> they thought they were gonna make it to Crescent that day, but they end up coming across this nasty swamp that's got bugs and everywhere's like squishy and wet they can't find anywhere dry to sit. They Don freaks out about a mosquito that he says is like as large as uh, a sip quick. So, like, hummingbird-sized mosquito. <laughs> I, know
0: you hate- I hate bugs. I would not do well in, like, the bog of terrible. <laughs> so gross.
1: I love, Kvothe says, like, Rick suggests maybe it was a sip quick. And Daydon says, quote-unquote, he suggested several unpleasant, unsanitary things I could do to myself at my earliest convenience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're in this disgusting swamp. And they're there all day. The moon is full. It's nighttime now. The moon is full. Keep that in mind um, because Valorian is out and about. They are trying to just like find somewhere dry. <laughs> they end up cleaning themselves a little stream, but like everything's like muddy and gross for a while. And as they are putting their dry clothes on after cleaning themselves up, they hear singing and they're like, oh yeah, cool. We must be near the Worth Inn. We must be hearing people. So they start following the sound of this voice, assuming that they're. Basically where they intended to be. And it is not. <laughs> <laughs> it is Falurian.
0: Dun dun dun.
1: So this chapter's really quick. Uh, they all just kind of come across her and see her singing in a stream. One thing that's really kind of crazy is like everyone's shocked. And the chapter ends with Kavoth saying, I do not believe in fairies, but he believes in the Shandrian, and they're associated with fairies and the fae and like fairy stories. So I'm really surprised that he even says that.
0: I think it might just be like an outright denial thing. Like I think he's so aghast Oh, maybe. You know like what trying I mean? to convince himself. He's trying to be logical.
1: Maybe it's like, you know, when people say like I must be dreaming and then do that stupid pinch themselves thing.
0: Mhm. I think it's very much like that. And Kavoth, I think always has a need to feel like he's in control. Oh, yeah. So, I don't think for him to logically be like, that's definitely Falurian over there. Like you'd be <laughs> like this can't be real. Like, there's no such thing as fairy tales. Like, what am I what am I seeing here?
1: It is interesting that they all recognize her immediately for who she is and not just a naked lady in the woods taking a bath.
0: I mean, if she was like as beautiful as described is described as like beyond compare and I guess I think the big giveaway would be if they recognized the weird cadence in words that she was singing.
1: Oh, you make a good point. Because if
0: we remember, I believe it's Daydon's story of Florian. The song she sings is in a completely different language.
1: Yeah, and that's actually how Chapter ninety five opens. So, Chapter ninety five, chased. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that they hear her singing, and it's exactly oh, as Daydon had remembered, which is really interesting.
0: Meaning.
1: Oh, in the chapter title,
0: chased, because obviously Kavoth chases her.
1: Oh, like C H A S T E
0: chase her physically like the proper spelling of the title but before this he is chased like he's a virgin uh oh interesting (laughs) (laughs) all
1: right (laughs) what i was saying before you jumped in there with the chased (laughs) was that the song florian sings is exactly as day dawn remembered it like i went back and looked at the page and through like telephone level storytelling like this weird chant in a different language people remembered it exactly so i don't know if that's part of Felurian's like magic if you hear her song it's like implanted in your brain
0: oh good point
1: which is kind of cool uh i don't know if it's really important for it to be but yeah i thought that was kind of strange that he'd remembered it word for word exactly Kavoth is lured in by the sound of her voice it's very interesting he says it's like not really like a voice he had ever heard but it also reminded him of something he couldn't press his finger to, which I think is just like the description of her voice. But at the same time, having just had the chapter where he kept saying there was something so similar, there was something so familiar, there's something that nagged at the back of my mind about Cinder being the bandit's leader. I didn't know if somehow he'd ever come across Valorian before because he kept saying her voice sounded so familiar.
0: I think this might be... A moment where everyone always accuses Kvothe of having fey blood. And if this is something that is true and part of him, maybe it's even though it's the first time him recognizing or seeing these things. There's such an ingrained component of him that's familiar with these creatures Ah. that even though it's a first time experience, somehow it is familiar. That would be cool. Just a thought. Especially because he grew up with so much
1: music and Florian singing. We don't know if there's any kind of connection between the Maru's music and the Fae realm, but that has been posited a little bit in some fan theories. One thing I wasn't sure is, is this swamp connected to the Fae somehow? Like, they're talking about these gigantic mosquitoes and things that seem a little unreal in this swamp. Are they brushing against the edge of the Fae without realizing?
0: Definitely on the full moon, for sure. yeah. I don't know, and I like that they describe Florina like, a the end of this, like, brook, tall, lovely and stuff, because how bad would it be for her to, like, show up in the middle of, like, a gross swamp and be like, eh, eh, you wanna hang out? <laughs> like, gross.
1: No, she wouldn't be in there. No, I know, I'm just
0: being ridiculous.
1: <laughs> um, Yeah. <laughs> She definitely has some allure, though. Martin is standing behind both saying, like, no, 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 covering his hands with his ears, trying to convince himself not to go.
0: Yeah, he is so deep-rooted with his vintage, like, superstitions. It wants He's nothing to do supersti- with, like, the supernatural or anything that has any magical connotation to it. Right. Her
1: singing reminds me of, what is it in Greek mythology?
0: that like Siren song. Yeah. yeah. That
1: lures people to their death.
0: Oh, totally that. So I
1: think... Martin's being very logical here, and from his perspective, knowing what the result is, if you follow that song, like, he is doing his best to stay away.
0: Yeah, Daydon's just, like, covered in a sweat. His and eyes are like...
1: saucers right now. <laughs> and Tempe's just surprised and kind of standing there still. Kavoth is, like, at first saying, like, I was very strong. I wasn't going to give in to that allure. I was resisting. And then all of a sudden his brain changes his mind. And he's like, "Mm, you know, actually, what am I afraid of? What do I have to lose? I'm Kavoth. I'm an arcanist. I can handle myself. And he just decides to go on.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I think it's just like the young blood, the passion, the arrogance of thinking you're invincible.
1: Right. And it's it's very strange because he goes, what was I afraid of? A fairy story? And I'm like, dude, your parents were literally killed by people from fairy stories. Maybe you should be afraid. Yeah. But he says that there's a magic there, and it's a magic of singing. So I don't know if this is related to, like, capital S Singers, that same type of magic that we're not sure about yet, because we have namers and shapers and singers, and we don't know much about singing yet. But Kavoth feels this musical magic in the air, and that's finally what makes him decide to go. And he's like, fine, I will meet you all at the Penny's Worth in three days' time, and he just runs off into the woods.
0: I love it, too, because there's this line that says, I felt a wild laughter boil up inside me right as he tells everyone, I'll see you in three days. Like It's like that giddy excitement. A little foolhardy. Yes. It's very much young love and that fiery passion that follows. hmm So,
1: <laughs> Daydon's kind of influenced by Kavoth now, and he's like, if he's going, then I'm going, but Hesby, <laughs>
0: Hesby's like, oh, no, you're not.
1: Uh-uh-uh. So she drags him back, pushes him to the ground, and holds him down. Yeah. Martin is gesturing, like, come back, come back. Tempe's not doing anything. Kavoth just runs. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> she is fast. He starts chasing her. The description is kind of interesting. Like, Kavoth changes tense when he talks about this. So it's always been, like, him reporting a story. And now it's, like, first person, like, and I...
0: Yeah, It's, it's, like, it's like,
1: in the present tense. Yeah. like, like I'm I holding, have her. Yeah, I have her hands. Her hands are in my hair. I don't know. It was just a strange way for him to, like... Change. It almost seems like the way you talk about a dream when you have a dream, you're trying to remember, you know, when you get that far away look in your eyes and you're just saying like, and this is happening and this is happening. So this is how Kavoth tells that that bit of
0: story. I think it's cleverly written, too, because it puts you center stage in the action and in the passion. And oh,
1: yeah, you're definitely like from Kavoth's eyeballs perspective. Right. Whereas usually I'm picturing like the whole scene, third, third person, right? Yeah. He does say he remembers the trees, the smell of the earth, and the gray of moonlit stone. So I think that's a gray stone they go by. And that would lead them into the Fey Realm. And once they're in the Fey Realm, Kvoth catches up to her and they...
0: Get down.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They have sex. Um, That would be his first time, too. Yeah.
0: Way to go big or go home, Kavoth. And very clever writing as far as...
1: It's actually really quite beautiful. They
0: describe his climax very much in, like, music note as, like, an instrument.
1: Yeah. Like, he says he's tuned too tight. But the whole description is three or four words per sentence. Kind of quick staccato, like, boop, 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 boop. Almost like a heartbeat you're reading.
0: Oh, yeah. And I never picked up on that. That's it clever. It goes
1: a little faster and faster. Yeah, everything's described very musically. Like they have a rhythm, like silent song, like the half-heard thrumming of a distant drum. So it's very lovely to read. Uh, and actually, for a sex scene in a book, I think is very... You don't get a lot of the action, but the atmosphere and the romance is very much there. All right, so they're in the Fey Realm. Kvothe wakes up and he kind of remembers what's going on, but he sees twilight above him. He's laying in this, like, grove there's silken pillows and curtains and it's very like dreamy in here and Florian's sleeping next to him
0: and he's like in awe of her he almost goes to wake her up and he's like no like don't disturb her Mm -hmm. and then he has like this nagging thought in the back of his mind that he can't quite pin down pin down or push away and it's clearly like a dude what are you doing here you have to go back yeah. <laughs> and it's clearly his subconscious his getting, saying, uh, like, what are you pushing doing? forward. Right. But he's still so, like, enamored and under her spell.
1: And we don't know what is up in the Fey Realm. Like, is the rules of magic totally different? Is there just Felorian magic in the air that Kvult's, like, breathing in and, like, absorbing?
0: I feel like the Fey Realm definitely amplifies any and all magics, as we see with this upcoming confrontation.
1: Yeah, it definitely does. I just didn't know if it was, like, because it's just a magical place. Like, there's magic in the air and he's kind of falling for it and he doesn't, it's not something he's used to. So now he's just, it's hard for him to listen to his brain because he's just like, ooh. Yeah. And kind of starry eyed. Whereas Florian is butterfly eyed. Yes. <laughs> so she is described here. Um, her, obviously she's beautiful. She's like a sex goddess and like a goddess of beauty. But she's got these butterfly wing eyes, lids. I don't really know.
0: Natural makeup.
1: Well, it says they're patterned like butterflies wings and they like change.
0: Yeah, I'm sure they're all like glimmery and like shiny and black and colorful.
1: Oh, I was imagining like actual butterfly patterns on her
0: eyes. Yeah, imagine like each eye is like kind of like a wing design. Yeah, okay. They're on the same page. You know, classic butterfly wing eyes.
1: (laughs) You know, right along a smoky eye and a cat eye, the butterfly wing
0: eye. Honey, do you want the butterfly? You want the cat's eye? You want the smoky eye?
1: (laughs) Oh, man. There's also lots of butterflies in the Fey Realm in general. I think it's just to add an ethereal quality to everything. Make
0: it whimsical.
1: Right. But maybe they're there for more. We don't know. So Kvot's just like looking at her, he thinks of all the songs and stories he's ever heard. And he's like, they're just shadows in comparison to how beautiful Florian is. He gets to the point where he's like, so obsessed with looking at her. He's like, I have to have her either that I'm going to go mad or die. So his conscience finally gets through and he realizes like, Oh, shit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What have we done?
1: What am I doing? So he just immediately lowers himself into Heart of Stone, which is a very smart thing to do. Well, he tries. He can't get to Heart of Stone.
0: Yeah, for the first time. For the
1: first time. So I think you have a good sense of saying, like, magic is amplified here. It's not as easy for Kvothe here. So he finally finally gets down into Heart of Stone. And he's like, okay, what do we know about this situation? And he's thinking of, like, stories of Florian and how they charm she charmed them and they died and he's like okay well how do we know what, about what how did they die and he's like going through the logic of what do we actually know about where we are and what we're doing and he doesn't have a lot he does say okay there are a few people who came back from the fey still alive but they all came back cracked
0: yeah they're cracked. all kind of crazy addled and never the same
1: right they have obsessive behavior They are separated from reality. They suffer extreme melancholy and separation. So he's like, okay, those are my two known end outcomes here. Like, we've got to figure out a way not to die here and not to go crazy if we leave. So that was where I thought maybe, like, is Kavoth crazy after he leaves the Fae? Like, is he subtly just crazier?
0: (laughs) I think there's a couple of cracks in the armor, so to speak, that is his mind. It's not like this one event has begun this. I think his entire journey has added to the wear and tear of his mental well-being. Mm-hmm. So I think this is just an addition. I don't think this is a catalyst moment, and I don't think this is the start of it.
1: Okay, that's fair. So while in the Heart of Stone, Kvothe starts thinking not everyone could have died. Florian's great, but she can't be that great. How is this causing everyone to go mad? And he does eventually see her power. Like He's not fully under her sway yet, and he's in Heart of Stone right now. I think he's trying to just convince himself things are going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, Florian wakes up. This is where we get the chapter title. It says, like, asleep she was the painting of a fire, awake she was the fire itself, which is a very beautiful description. And it's like that description from, I think, Name of the Wind, where Patrick Rothfuss says... Women are like fires; like some are campfires, and some are like blazing bonfires. And she and is Florian fire is itself. the fire, just pure fire. And I love that Kavoth says, like he's reminded that he's a mortal in these moments. It's starting to come to realization that he can't just easily leave and have his wits and sanity no, no problem. Something's
0: got to give. <laughs> this
1: is gonna be a little harder. So his body's just kind of reacting to her despite being in Heart of Stone, like he's trying his best, but like he's getting slowly lured in, lured in. The back of his mind is already composing songs to her. He feels very obsessed. Philorian starts to ask him, like, Are you okay? Yeah. Because <laughs> he's not saying anything. He just is so overcome, he doesn't know what to say, but what he says uh, in response to her sounds very poetic, the way he describes himself. So she's like, oh, a poet! I
0: should have known. Anyone else, anyone else (laughs) in this universe that would have accused Kavoth of being a poet, he would have been insulted and infuriated. Kavoth is just like, "Uh, yeah, I'll be your poet, like, literally... Yep, yeah. His disdain for poetry and his- Should
1: have, like, kicked him into gear here, but nope. And he just says, like, okay, yeah, I'll be your poet. He kind of just does whatever Florian says in these next few moments. Uh, He says her voice is, like, this power he's never really heard anyone speak before, except for Elodin, the way that his voice fills the air as if it is the air. Not, like, loud or anything, but it's got that, like, weight and power to it. The resonance, Yeah. And I was wondering if, obviously we know like naming is very connected to the Fae realm and namers and shapers have very old and ancient magics. But I was wondering if naming is speaking the way of the Fae in the mortal realm.
0: That is a very good point because I think the way they speak in the Fae realm, again, there is this resonance. It is being compared to the way Eldon speaks. It's describing the true nature of something. Right. And so I'm wondering if in the Fae language things are described thus so. Like, obviously it's not translated word for word. Ah, I see what you mean, though. But it's a really interesting concept.
1: Because we know what namers can do, but we don't really know what naming is or where it
0: came from. Because is it a specific language or is it you're announcing syllables when your subconscious mind understands something so well.
1: And for Kavoth, it's so wrapped up with music, but we also know that singers are a different type of, quote unquote, magicians from Namers. Right. So, I don't know. I have a lot of questions about, like, where all of this came from. So, uh, Kavoth ends up singing songs for Felorian. She sees his lute in the corner, and she's like, oh, is my poet a sweet poet? Does he sing? So,
0: Kavoth takes his lute, it's really interesting what he does here. I wouldn't have thought to perform the type of songs Kavoltz performs. No. I would have like <laughs> done like Odes to Florian. I would have done like my most intense songs, his highest like flex moves. And instead he just does like these very common run-of-the-mill casual style songs.
1: I love that he says that like what do you play to someone who is literally from legends. Yeah. Like you can't top that with more like legendary songs. You may as well play them something they don't know about. Songs about regular people. Yeah. (laughs) So he just plays like you said like kind of average songs. Florian loves it. At first she like is kind of crying and Kavoth thinks about like she's like thousands of years old and all the her companionship is just like male lovers who are goo goo eyed over her and they must just like all fade away into time after a while. Like, yeah. She doesn't really have any companions or, like, socialization, so she's lonely. She, he starts playing the songs, and she, like, just loves it so much. Like, she's, like, clapping and kissing him and, like, really into it. It's really helping to calm down. He's slowly letting him slide out of Heart of Stone a little bit here and there with each song. He plays for hours, and he feels better-ish by the end, like, yeah. because of this. And... <laughs> Not very wise of him. He's like, "Well, that was great. I'm gonna have to be going now." Florian is not into that. She does some kind of crazy magic, and Kvothe's mind just goes blank and numb, and all he can do is give in to like his bodily passion and start feeling this need to like have Florian right then and there. And he only holds on to like his identity by like, a hair; otherwise, yeah. he would have been completely brainwashed. LOL, Kavoth for saying, like, she can't be that powerful. How do these men (laughs) leave with their mom?
0: Idiot. You're a fool. (laughs) So, And I love the line, like, no one ever left Valerian, ever.
1: Yeah, he has no power against her. She is an ancient being. Like, she seems sweet and innocent, but she has this cold fury that we see, and she is powerful. Right now, Kavoth realizes that, like, he's just her new toy. Yeah. Like, she doesn't really think of him even as a person with their own will. He is stuck until Florian decides he can go and by that point his mind is going to be gone.
0: Yeah, either that or he'll be dead. So, he's in quite the predicament. Chapter 97, Blood and Bitter Rue. Also, love like, this bitter title. Bitter edema
1: demeru yes! cuz both bitter about it. Exactly. Being stuck.
0: And like he's like ruining the day mentally that he decided to go to her, because now he's trapped here, he's also rueful in the essence that, you know, he's not in control of his faculties in this chapter. mm mm-hmm.
1: And at one point it says, he tastes blood and bitter rue, like, in his mouth. So there's right. a lot of meanings to this chapter Very,
0: title. very clever. I love it. I love dissecting these chapter titles. I think they're very well-intentioned. Mm. Yeah, you guys are good about picking them up.
1: Yeah, we pick up right where Kavoth left off. His control is slipping away. He's, like, sweating, trying to, like, resist, but it's not working well. And he's mad because, like, his mind is the only thing he's ever had that's been his, which goes all the way back to that conversation he had with Mayor Alvaron about, like, inherent versus given power, and why Kavoth always chooses the power within. Great callback.
0: Because that's all
1: he's ever had. And he's getting mad that his power against Florian is melting, and he's just becoming almost robotic in response, not, like, impassionate, but, like, he can't control his body or his mind at all. However, he managed to slowly escape from her. He used either like his heart of stone or just his anger about what was happening to him to like preserve a tiny little bit of his mind to himself.
0: I love the way this whole chapter is written. It's gorgeous and it's, you can just feel the struggle and it's so engaging where even just like this small part of him where he's now, like, in his heart of stone. He's, you know, nursing the small flame of anger. Like, no one did this to me. If anyone ever takes control of my mind, like, it'll never be on anyone else's terms. Like, Kavolt is so frustrated.
1: He is. So he's, like, going back and forth. Allure is too, so powerful. He tries closing his eyes, but he says that makes it worse. Um. So he's having this, like, hefty internal and mental struggle right now. Suddenly, something in his mind snaps yeah and he flashes back to being a child in Tarbien and how he had this conflict with these boys that jumped him and ripped his clothes off him and held him down and then Kavoth just like in self-defense took like a loose cobblestone mode. and like fought his way out like broke one's leg broke one's head like he just goes out of control completely none of his mind is left in that moment so this is where Kavoth is Feeling like he is, so he's like, I was that feral boy again, and I felt something deep, deep inside myself, and I had to like hold on to that. So he is having this weird mental.
0: Yeah, struggle. you're like in this primal survival mode at this point.
1: He's trying to keep all the pieces of himself together, remind himself who he is. He's like, okay, I'm Kavoth, the trooper. I'm Kavoth. I'm a Dimaru. I'm a student. I'm a Raylar. I was a musician. I was Kavoth, and he keeps saying everything in past tense, which is kind of weird is he's trying to remember so
0: hard and he like feels like completely detached
1: yeah and then all of a sudden he stands up above Felurian, and his sleeping mind is woken up everything looks clear and sharp in a way he's never seen it before he looks at Felurian. he like knows her
0: and he like smiles he knows her essence and
1: like who she is by just looking at her wow it's so cool And he's like, is this how Elodin experiences the world? Is this what having your sleeping mind awoken is like? And no wonder so many people crack. Like, if they get stuck this way, that's, that's like sensory overload. And so he's looking at Felorian. He, like, knows her, he says, to the bottoms of her feet and to the marrow of her bones. And he says, her eyes were like four lines of music. And he says those four lines out loud. I'm assuming that's Felorian's name. It has to be. Or he sings her name. So I don't know if he's naming or if he's singing in this moment. Or if there's...
0: Or that's how he connects it.
1: If there's overlap, I don't know how those two different branches of magic work. But Kavoth calls Valorian's name. Yes. So he has power over her and she is not okay with that. No. (laughs) She's pushing back against this. Kvoth gets pain in his head. She says something back. We don't know if it's Kavoth's name or something else. But she's like, you can't have my name.
0: Yeah, so she try- kind of tries to, like, shut him down.
1: I think so, yeah. <sighs> but then, like, she's slowly approaching him. Her, She's, like, got this aura of fierceness and fury and rage
0: around her. She shattered his sleeping mind back into place.
1: I think so. But then he continues to call her name, like, over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And then he can see the ever-changing wind. Not like know its name or see the like things moving in the wind, but he sees the wind and he calls the name of the wind again. Yes. (laughs) And
0: this is like the most epic. Kvulks does a lot of cool moments calling the name of the wind, both in terms of aggression and in terms of saving. And this is just absolutely amazing. It's so cool. It's so... Storybook legend. Important too, to remember that like
1: she is an ancient power.
0: She's like an old god.
1: Right, and he has in this moment enough power to use the name of the ever-changing wind to like wrap her up in this ball of like silver air, basically, and entrap her. So Kavoth is extraordinarily powerful. I think we like to forget that because he does boast about himself a lot, but he has these moments where he has this untapped raw
0: power. And I think, and this is what I finally wanted to discuss was that. We have these moments throughout the book where people say, "Oh, you know, Kavoth seems to have a touch of Fey in him, mm-hmm. and now that he's finally in this realm, does that inner blood or ability come come out, out mm-hmm. stronger than just if someone was a Namer? Being part of this realm does right, it give like him he's a maybe not fully senses? mortal? Yeah."
1: Interesting. I definitely think it does, because he has this power that comes out of left field, it seems like. He shouldn't be able to overpower Felorian. She should be way more powerful than him. But he pulls her up above the ground in this orb of air and wind, and has this very detached moment where he says, oh, I could just kill her right now, but I won't. Like The world's better with Felurian in it.
0: But the fact that he... It's in a moment where he has the power to decide Fullerian's fate is huge.
1: You don't go messing with the old gods either. I think that's like a bad thing to do in this book. In any fantasy book. It's not a good thing to do.
0: No, but the fact that the thought even crosses his mind again is that folly, the power that comes with the arrogance and what he can and can't do. Right. It's weird that his mind goes there, though. I mean, he does say like the thought sickened him. That's true.
1: It's just weird that it's popping into his head. Yeah, so he's like, I won't kill her. He says that if he killed her, it would be like ripping the wings from a butterfly, which is almost what the Cathay is described as doing Yeah. in the next few chapters when we meet the Cathay. I think so, that line's
0: very intentional, like, to, de- to destroy something so beautiful and pure right? that does not harm.
1: There's that, no point yeah,
0: in it. It's just a vile act.
1: It's just evil for the sake of being evil at yeah. that point. So Kavoth decides not to kill her. He also decides, though, yes, the world is good with Felurian, but it is also good with Kovoth in it. So I'm going to use this to bargain my way out of here. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't actually go the way he planned. So he brings Felurian down, and I think he's thinking he's going to have this power at his fingertips, but it just dissipates. We're not really sure why. I don't know if Felurian's used her magic back at him. I don't know if it was like the raw emotion of the moment.
0: I think part of it, it's like the moments past, I think once he has decided he doesn't want to kill her, but realizes, like, hey, I'm a force to be reckoned with, mm. that it was like, okay, I'm cool, we're cool, and they both land, and Florian's is curiously staring at him. and
1: They just stare at each other, and that's they have this weird curiosity, like, Florian was not expecting this from Kavoth, obviously, she's not sure who or what he is, that she's- stumbled upon no one i'm sure has ever really stood up to her like that before and so she's fascinated definitely a little scared but definitely fascinated and Kavoth is very upset about the fact that like his sleeping mind appears to be going back to sleep
0: and it's like he can't even remember like any of the pieces and so he's just heartbroken and destroyed over this where his whole existence as far as him studying with Elodin and becoming a Namer and waking his sleeping mind. And he had this moment of like true control, true power, true enlightenment and triumph. And then for it to all go away and then have no like internal recollection, no moment of like, I learned this and I can keep this in the back pocket for later. It's just gone. Nope. It completely just does
1: not remember how he got there at all.
0: Emotionally just destroys him.
1: Chapter 98, The Lay of Philorian. There's a really awkward moment where they <laughs> yeah. don't really know what to do and how to move on from this battle that they've just had. Cavoth is holding his lute, and because he says music always helps him, he decides to play. And he starts playing some of the songs that he wrote after his parents died, those feeling songs.
0: Yeah, the instrumentals, ugh.
1: So he's playing one called Sitting by the Water Remembering. And it's just like rote memorization at this point. Like he's just going through it. And it's making him feel better. But he looks up and sees Florian crying. So he feels a little bit less ashamed that he was also crying. There is a reconciliation. Like Florian moves a little closer.
0: Yeah, I think it was like... She's
1: intrigued by his music.
0: His way of apologizing.
1: Yeah. I can see in the Fae how music could be... Similar to speaking, almost, in yeah. a way that Kavoth playing his music would communicate that like he's having these feelings and kind of apologizing for
0: what he just did. Yeah. Super intense. So
1: intense. So intense. It's like the mind battle with Devi, almost.
0: Yeah, my, definitely up there.
1: Very good. Very One good. of his
0: best battles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe until book three, at least. Yeah. Florian comes over and she asks if Kavoth has a name. He's a little nervous to give her his name, thinking about the power names have. But then he realizes he's already given her a lot more than his name. So he just doesn't lie, says his name is Kvothe.
0: (laughs) And I like when he reveals his name. He says... The sound of it seemed to ground me, to put me inside myself again. Like it's a declaration, not just like my he doesn't say my name is Kavoth, he says I am Kavoth.
1: Because in the previous chapter when he was trying to like keep himself in his mind, he was saying, I was Kavoth, I was a Dmaru, I was, 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 like in the past, and now he's saying, like, I am. He's refound himself. Yes. Very good. And then Florian calls him her Kavoth, and he doesn't really like that so much. He's not feeling so keen on being Florian's possession. But she asks Kavoth to play her some music. He starts playing a song called In the Forest Fae, which isn't particularly good, but Florian brightens up because it's a song about her. She really seems to like it. Then he plays another song that's even worse, and then he plays a third song that's even worse. Maybe he's trying to play songs that suck so the Florian will let him go. Mm. I'm not sure what his plan is here. He's definitely got a plan but then he's like, oh, can I write a song for you? And that back piece of his mind that's already been working on writing a song springs to action, and he's got a pretty good song already started. And it starts out very beautiful, and Kavoth, so cocky. He's like, I write a fine song. I might be one of the best. Maybe not Ilion, but I'm up there. (laughs) Like, you're playing a song to a god right now. I would not be tooting my own horn. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I... I know our fan base with Kingkiller Chronicles, some people can't stand, like, the Kvoth arrogance. But I he, don't
1: mind it. It was just in this moment, I was like, you better watch yourself.
0: <laughs> he is the like, goods to back it up. I consider myself sometimes to be a little bit of, like, a ham, so I love these cocky, arrogant moments. Because it's just, I don't know, I have such an endearing joy for Kavoth. I love him.
1: I would just be nervous telling, like, literally like I said, a god, like you're good at anything. Like, I feel like that'd be like rocking, walking up to like a rock and roll ledge and be like, oh, I play guitar a little bit. Yeah,
0: no, I totally get what you're coming from. Like obviously,
1: she's not a god of music, but she's probably got pretty high standards.
0: Oh, for sure. <laughs> so,
1: she's, um, yeah, I wouldn't be too keen on showing her my skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of her high standards, she is kind of insulted by
0: Kvothe's <sighs> song. It's intentionally insulting, but yeah, he does not do the her nicest job.
1: No. No. So he starts out with this beautifully written song and Florian is really into it. She's like got tears in her eyes. She's so still. She's enraptured. And then he starts to use not like the nicest lyrics. Like he's talking about her skills in love are like they'll suffice. And she's nice. Not really flowery language, and she, <laughs> she cuts him off, and she's like... What? Nice. What? And I was like, well, it, it was nice. I don't know. Like, playing ex- the idiot here. It, it doesn't really work to his advantage. Florian sees through him pretty quickly, but...
0: Literally, her expression was a storm of rage and disbelief.
1: Her eyes flashed pure fury. <gasps> yeah, you don't insult the gods,
0: full 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 of a took
1: (laughs) right so Kavoth plays the well i've never done this before how am i supposed to know what's good and what's not good and she's like i'm florian it doesn't get any better yeah come on kid but (laughs) it's also funny too because she's like i think you're lying like you can't not have ever been with a woman before like you were pretty good And Kvost says he hates being called a liar when he's actually telling the truth. So it's not really working to his advantage for a
0: second. He even (laughs) says, I'm not a complete rube. I've read a couple of books.
1: Yeah, he's digging himself in deep here. Really trying to hammer home that, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And the whole reason is that he's saying well, how do I know you're actually as good as you say you are because I've never been with anyone else. I can't finish the song if I can't compare you to anyone else. The song's never going to get better. Yeah. Also, that song was really beautifully written. If I finish it, people are going to sing it for hundreds of years. And that really plays to Florian's high opinion of herself. And she realizes that no one's going to be able to hear the song if she doesn't let Kavoth go he will never be able to finish the song if she doesn't let Kvoth go. So this is his brilliant plan here. Yes. (laughs) Pretty lame plan, if you ask me. He's going out on a limb here, but he doesn't have a lot of other advantages.
0: I actually really enjoy this because I think it's the best thing Kvothe could have had to offer as far as an escape.
1: That's what I mean. Like, he's doing the best he can. It's just like, it's a pretty lousy plan.
0: I think it's better than anyone could have ever come up with.
1: I'm just saying it's lucky that she agrees to it. Oh, yeah. That's more what I meant by a lousy plan. Yeah. She could have just been like, you're dumb. You're stuck here forever.
0: No, that's true. Yeah. She could have just been like, eh, no. Or
1: like, I'll call your bluff. No.
0: <laughs> no. And I'm done with you. Goodbye. Yeah. Like-
1: Thankfully, somehow it works out a little bit. So she says, you prom- have to promise that you will come back here to sing the song like if you finish it. And Kvothe promises yes, and I think that's going to come back and bite him in the butt Mm -hmm. in book three. You can't just promise to come back to the Fey Realm, to Felorian, and not go. Yeah. So, a little nervous about this deal he's made, but it is going to get him out of the Fey Realm eventually. But yeah, the chapter ends with them rolling into each other's arms, so he's
0: not leaving yet. No, and there's a lot of work to be done here, and not just the fun kind. <laughs> um, obviously, we're going to get into...
1: Oh, my favorite fl- part, the Cathay meeting.
0: That, which is huge, and a catalyst for a lot of events that are going to take a lot place. Of
1: everything.
0: Yeah, pretty much everything. Florian has to make Kavoth his nightshade.
1: I remember that. There's definitely like very fine details written in that chapter I want to look at when we get to it, because I saw a fan theory that the cloak that Haliax wears may be a shade made by Felurian.
0: Ooh, that's really cool.
1: And so there might be a connection between them there. There's also like Felurian and Ferula is Cinder's real name, right. so I don't know if the fade names have a lot of connection or are intertwined in some way. They mm. seem kind of similar to be too coincidental.
0: Right. Patrick Rothfuss does things very intentionally for a reason, so.
1: Right. So, I definitely have some things I'm Really excited about with the Bay Realm stuff coming up, and I'm glad to be back into the King killer Chronicles.
0: Yeah, no, this is great content. I absolutely love it. There's always so much to kind of pick apart and dissect.
1: Yeah, I have probably like a running list of 900 fan theories in my brain at any time, and they definitely don't all fit together. But it's exciting to come across them like in the book, like all the the clues and details
0: for all of them as we read. Yes. So until then, fantastic listeners. Happy reading. And don't forget to check out the Winterset Hollow miniseries. Oh, absolutely, please. It was an absolute joy to read. And coming up, we have
1: an interview with the
0: author. Yeah, so very excited for that.
1: Okay, so now, until next time, happy reading. Thanks, listeners. If you're looking for more, check us out at fantasticbookspod.com, where we have book reviews, reading list suggestions, merch, And you can even send us a message.
0: Or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Fantastic Books Pod.
1: And if you like what you've been hearing, don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks!